Good Monday morning. This is Matt with the Bastards of Art podcast. I'm here with Jonathan. Hey guys, good morning. Checking in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, so Jonathan just showed me uh, something and I didn't go look it up, so I'm going to have him tell me what the hell, hell he emailed me the other day. What was the brushes that you sent me? Oh, kylebrush.com. Um, I got turned on to this by watching... Um, how, how turned on did you get? Oh, so turned on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, old men getting turned on by toys. Oh, disgusting. Um, no, I got turned on to it listening to a, uh, a, a video stream. Um, and I, I looked into it, and every, everybody seems to use it from the industry, like Disney, DreamWorks, the whole shebang. And um, For Photoshop. Yeah, well, the, yeah, they are specifically for Photoshop, um, but it's this dude that's just uh, completely obsessed with taking a real-world medium brushes and converting them into uh, digital. How how tools. big is the um, the the, uh, the the presets? How many how many brushes do you get? Um, well, he's got different collections. That's the crazy thing. Um, I bought his Mega Pack. Yeah. And there's no overlap, too. That's the nutty part. I bought his Mega Pack, and that has over 200 brushes in it. Holy it's, cow. It's like 17 bu- or 15 bucks. I would buy something like that and then find the two brushes I like. Well, that's the thing. The reason why I went with that one was because it, it just had a, a bunch of different things in it. Right. Um, but then he had this animator pencil as well. I was like, okay, well, I'd pay a dollar for a bloody pencil at the store. Why don't I just get this? Right. Um, but I, I'm totally pleased with it. It is kind of making things fun again. And it, it, the reason why is it's giving me tools that I would, I've been looking for and being able to just kind of run with it. And that's kind of the trick of what we're going to talk about today too, I think is like our jump from going traditional to digital Mm. and what kind of one of the, some of the things that came out of it. I mean, my background is, is that when I would prepare, when I would draw, I mean, I like to paint, don't get me wrong. I like using acrylics. I tried oils in, in college. I understand how they work. They weren't really, you know, my thing. I think I'm too impatient for oils. Yeah. Um, but you know, you get your favorite pencil, you get your favorite eraser. If anyone took your took your stuff out of your box, you got angry. And you kinda I remember just you'd have this whole kind of art bag that you'd walk around with that would have, you know, your you, you find I can remember finding one good pencil and buying every store out of it because there was like dry spells where yeah. I would get rid of a pencil and I wouldn't have find it anymore. I, I got stuck on mechanical pencils. Yeah, that was the thing is there's a special mechanical pencil that had a, it was a number seven, which didn't break as easy as a number five lead. Oh yeah, I hated number five. Yeah. And I was so pressed it, way too hard. If on you it. found like blue, blue lead was my thing. So if I found uh, blue number seven lead, I just bought all of them. You know? I never got into using the different colors. I always just went with HB. Yeah. They're just the black. It's yeah. too smudgy. And I would, I would be lazy and I would do my marker lines right on top of the blue lines instead <laughs> of you getting a whole new sheet out. That's what I liked about it. I used, I'd, do, I'd go red, blue, then marker, and however many layers in between. Mm-hmm. So when I found digital, I pretty much applied how I already had a I already had a workflow. So I pretty much applied that workflow to, to my digital you. world. And yeah. my, I mean, the easy jump with me. I did Sketchbook Pro. That was the first program I got. I got a Cintiq, and then I got Sketchbook Pro. Because yeah. 
for me, going into it and getting into Photoshop was too too crazy. There was almost I didn't feel like I could even like wrap my brain around all the menus and panels. I got into Photoshop in college. Um, I don't remember drawing with it a whole lot um, until like I I got Photoshop. My first drawings were, was it MS Paint? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Um, And then I got Photoshop and didn't really do a whole lot of it um, until um, my best friend got me a a little bamboo. The one you get from, I think that's the one a lot of people start with. Because it's Best Buy. Yeah, you can go get it. It's yeah. got like 500 points of pressure, and it's uh-huh. about the size of a postcard. It's about it's about as good as a signature pad yeah. for your credit card machine. And the the biggest thing for me was just the break between not looking at what you're drawing and staring at a screen. It was just it was so foreign to me that it it kind of it was such a struggle. But it was like this weird balance between this is so new and so cool, but it's hard as shit. Yeah, like I. But I, I kept coming back to it because I had a lot of fun, and um, but I, I, it never solidified with me. But I got Sketchbook um, when they launched it on the iPhone because mm-hmm. a buddy of mine, and we would just play around with it. But then the thing with that was you were drawing with your the tip of your finger, and it was so there was just I don't know you had no control. Well, that's what I I got the Sketchbook app for my ipad and mm. the, the the one thing i could do really quick is i could get a lot of fast gesture drawings done okay and i could start drawing with shapes instead of you know the linear outside of shapes i think i was still i could so, do layouts faster i was so hung up with like oh i'm gonna do a final drawing with this thing i i didn't i didn't have any reason in my day-to-day to just like oh i'm just gonna sketch i didn't really understand the concept of sketching until probably in the last couple of years I think like just the the loose like process of it all and so like that that's what made me not like connect with the whole digital thing right off the bat because I I didn't you had a you had a workflow process in the traditional world yeah trying to figure out how to get to that end game in the digital world wasn't connecting it wasn't I think that was the issue with me is I I saw potential but I just couldn't figure out how to apply it so I I, I started with the, the Sketchbook Pro app, mm. and then I got the Sketchbook Pro program. So if you're not, for those who are listening, if you're not familiar with the difference, an app is <clears throat> is a simple program that runs on an, an iOS of like a phone or um, a, a tablet. But software is something that runs more like a laptop or computer. That's the dumbest way you can put it. Yeah. Software has a lot more possibilities. It usually has open end sources. You can usually add extensions and in import get, things yeah. easier you can import brushes easier when you get a when you get a um a app you're limited to in-app purchases you don't get to it's it's crazy like how long the difference has been around and like it's starting to get closer and closer together but the disconnects there's still a huge it, disconnect the the biggest disconnect starts with just the file structure like yeah. you you have no central file structure it's all in app stuff when it comes to a mobile device versus yeah. with a computer it's like you have one central file structure which is your well that was the other thing about going to digital is you had to 
figure out how to organize your How am I going to print this? How am I going to back this up? How well, where is save? it? Right. Exactly. You, would, you would draw something and you'd be like, what did I save it under? So you'd have to start. That was the other, that was the other curveball mm. was understanding how should I save stuff? You know, now I have a system. I mean, after losing trial and error, after losing drawings, you're like, I don't even know where, not losing it like it's gone forever, but I don't know where I saved it. Right. I finally had a folder called clients and then it was like Barb. <laughs> Butterfly, John, <laughs> knife. You know, so one way or the other, I could at least right. use the search button to, to find. But when I first started using it, I think um, one of some of the things that I noticed right away were, I think we were talking about this, the undo button. That was pretty spectacular. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. But then the hard thing for me was commitment. It was like, oh, I, if I don't get it right this time, I'll undo it. 30 tries later, I'm still fucking undoing it. And it's just like, just just commit to it. And like once once I learned that, like just commit to the line or whatever you're doing, then it was fine. But yeah, right off the bat, it was like, I can undo anything, which is the glorious thing because you can be in the middle of something and you're like, oh, I just went 30, like 10 strokes too far. Well, the funny like, thing about you the undo feature is that if, you, if anyone who's worked digital enough, it's on the app, on the I'm sorry, on the Mac, it's Command Z, mm -hmm. and that's for me. It's my thumb and my pointer finger. Do you know how many times I do that when I'm drawing? That's what I was paper. getting ready to say. You get so <laughs> once you get going in digital, you'll be drawing on paper, and your hand will be on the table. Go, you know, you'll hit the thumb and the pointer finger on the table. Like, oh, what am I doing? I need to actually erase. You feel that. like Pavlov's dog. Yeah, but I think even even in my merging the two worlds, I didn't. Not like I stopped drawing on paper, mm. and then I went directly i had to because there was a point where i got on the computer where i was just getting frustrated by it it, it was frustration with the technology not even necessarily the drawing so i would take what i was doing print it out throw tracing paper on top of it and then draw that. yeah that was the same thing with me i think the one of the hardest things about transferring over was the sense of space and composition because you have different size displays mm. And what prints out on an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper, um, all of a sudden it's all shrunk down, right. and you're you're trying to figure out what, like, per, your perception of scale, and I and and so I had to come up with little tricks. Like, um, I started making all my canvases eight and a half by eleven, so that I I kind of knew even if the paper was smaller on my screen, I knew that when it printed, it would be that full sheet. Right. And then I would, I actually took a, a post-it note and mm. made one inch ticks on it. Mm. And I would take that post-it note and put it on the screen and get the, take an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and put it on the screen and I'd blow the canvas on the screen up. <laughs> so that way I was like, in the beginning, that way I knew. It's funny, now I, now I, I guess I think I've gotten such a, I feel a like sense he, of scale. He, it doesn't. I don't have to do that anymore. But yeah. in the beginning, it was so foreign. That was weird. Right. No, totally. I it, it surprises me every time I do it now because in the back of my head, I'm like, am I am I making this too detailed? Am I like really overdoing this? And it just seems to work out. Like for whatever reason, like I've already thought through enough steps, or it's already pre-programmed in myself that I what I, is. Just the scalability. Oh yeah. Like knowing, like right off the bat, like this is gonna work out. I'm not, o I'm not overdoing this. I'm not underdoing this. I keep the the image keeps coming into my head was finger waves, mm. you know, drawing waves, and 
wondering, because waves themselves are like eyebrows to me. Right. And so if they're really small and busy, that, that'll have one kind of feeling where all the waves together create a texture. Mm-hmm. Or if you create, you know, sometimes I draw these what I thought were big waves. And when I printed it out, they were all tiny waves and it didn't have the atmosphere feeling I wanted. So I had to do what you said. I had to reprint and take a piece of tracing paper out and, redo and it. connect it all in my head until, you know, I think yeah. one day I just, I crossed over a threshold where I had to, I, I could stop doing that. Yeah. And I think part of it was I finally made a brush. And I, that was the thing too, is what I didn't expect from drawing digitally was how much more control I had. Mm. So I think in the beginning I was trying to just use the digital to emulate my normal traditional world workflow process. Mm. And then when I started unlocking the tools that, that came with the software. The capability. Yeah, some of them were, um, well, like layering is just like tracing paper, so that made sense. Mm-hmm. But the layers themselves had modes. So you have like multiply mode, and you have right. color mode, and you have saturation mode. Like once I started like like watching YouTube videos and understanding how the math on on like putting a layer. So what happens when you when you layer is you can control transparency. So if I have a black circle on the bottom, um, and I have a white circle on top. When you look through both of those layers, you'll just see a white circle because the opacity of that white uh, will block out the black. But right. I can turn the opacity down, and what you'll see is um, like only 50% white, which will turn that black circle. The overall image will look 50% gray, right? right? So you can start using a lot of that to your advantage. Like um, I just did a drawing last night where I was making something reflective and I went through with a white brush and did all the reflective nature of everything and this is the great part about digital is I just took my slider and bumped down the transparency so that not all that white would show up and I got it to the point where you wanted it to where I had the glare I wanted it's like realizing what tracing paper could become it's is is what layers are it's like future tracing paper It's really magical. It totally is because it's the difference between like having what you would traditionally think of like an opaque tracing paper to be, and then those uh, instead of you know that was the thing too. It's like traditionally is you you traditionally you'd go get a piece of tracing paper from a nice art store, and it would be it would be durable and transparent mm-hmm. but then you'd be on the road and you'd end up at walmart and you needed tracing paper and you'd get you this really toothy yeah. toothy like frosted window style tracing paper yeah it took all that out of it oh yeah no it, it, the power of it was pretty impressive um the things i didn't expect again were um when i started using um the there's a lock transparency feature you showed me that because I didn't. I had no clue about that until I saw you doing it one day, and I was like, "How the hell is he?" Doing so it? imagine this. This is what lock transparency can do for you. There's tons of things it can do, but what it does is, if I make a line on a piece of paper and I just make a black line, those pixels have been manipulated. If I hit lock transparency, what it the rule says: any pixels that are new, or any pixels that have been manipulated on that layer. If I take another brush and draw on top, it can only manipulate the pixels that are currently there. Meaning, if I draw a line underneath of that new line, it won't show up. 
But if I say I drew that line in black and I take another line and draw it in red and I just scribble on top of it, anywhere where my new lines cross over my old line, it'll turn those pixels red. So in a real world, how, how this works is say you have a layer, a layering system where you have a dragon and then you have the flowers and then you have fire and you're and now it's all getting confusing and each one of those is on a separate layer if you need to isolate just the flowers to kind of see how they are laying in the composition you can lock transparent all the flowers take a big brush paint them all blue or all red or all pink whatever you want to do Get and the line separation. drawing for that layer will now be separated that was that was how i first started using that that transparency lock. And that was something like, you don't think of, of that when you're traditional because it doesn't exist. Oh yeah, well the, the thing for me is, I usually like sketching in black just for whatever reason, because I can vary it. Um, and it, for me, it's a more of a commitment issue with it. And, um, but I do like being able to switch into red because then you can do a final drawing on top of it a lot easier. It's cleaner to have that nice soft red. It's just it's just how well, um, you can comic book artists uh, pen and ink, you know. Yeah, because you can kind of forget what's underneath it. You can blur out and just focus on what line you're going to make on top of it. But being able to go through and sketch in black, lock transparency, and then repaint everything red, and then go back on a new layer and redo your line. And that was probably familiar to you because you used the HB pencils to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, so that was that was a nice bridge of work. It's the same idea. I used red. You used black. We're two different, we're two different drawers. We get along in this world. Hey, right. we, we cross parties. Maybe I'll use a sharpie. <laughs> um, and one of the other things that. One of the easy things, of course, that blows you away at first is that is a symmetry tool mm. where you can draw on the left, it shows up on the right, and then you get more and more crazy where it's like eight panels and you can now you're drawing mandalas every day and they don't seem so, so embarrassing. Well, yeah, you can apply it to like mandalas if you want to, which you need to do on a radial scale, mm -hmm. um, which until I had sketchbook again which has a really corel painter has another really good one i actually like that one better than corels yeah than mm -hmm. sketchbooks um but i i had a uh, repeating path tool program set up in illustrator for me to recreate that it took a little more time it took a lot more time yeah because you couldn't just draw it in real quickly um but that for mandalas but even just doing like face on faces just getting the symmetry roughed out really fast and then undoing that. And that, that, that right there is a good example of how workflow speeds up. Because okay. we know that the left eye is not exactly like the right eye, but like how I would use something like that is, sometimes you like lay out, like let's just, let's just talk about like a skull, because that's what a lot of people draw. Yeah. You, you try to draw this fast drawing and then you, you spend all this time evening out the sketch. Like one eyeball's too high, one eyeball's too low, right, one eyeball's too high, one eyeball's too low. And with digital drawing, two things that can help the workflow faster. Number one, if you do some symmetry tool, you just draw the one side and the other side lays out. And then you can turn the symmetry tool off and draw on top of it again and fine tune it. But here's the other beautiful thing was when I figured out how to use the marquee tool and do use selections. Mm. And I could just grab an eyeball and move it where I wanted it. Oh, yeah. Or I could grab two eyeballs and smush them down. And here's the other fun thing is when I would take my references, part of when I draw is exaggerating, exaggerating, is <laughs> <laughs> exaggerating feature. So sometimes I would like grab maybe a drawing of a, 
a panther or like a real life panther. Yeah. And I would actually marquee on the photograph that I brought into the program. Mm. I would marquee the parts of the panther that I liked the most, like bring the eyeballs a little bit bigger, mm. make the teeth bigger. And then I would loosen the transparency of that layer. I would loose sketch on top of it. And, and then I would remove the photo and then finish my drawing. Yeah. But using that marquee tool to actually grab selections and change orientation, rotation, flipping. Um, I drew a, a tiger um, that was on hind legs at one time. And it looked okay. I mean, physically it looked okay. It, all the proportions were there, but there was nothing dynamic about it. So right. what I was able to do, which in the old days what I would have done so I'd have taken my drawing over the photocopy machine, photocopied it, taken that photocopy and ripped it in half. Flipped it. And flipped it and tried to figure out different shapes. And that whole process takes like 20 minutes. Right. Or with the marquee tool, I was able to like select the bottom half of the tiger, flip it with a one button, and then start lining it up different. And all of a sudden you have a whole new pose. So little things that were, I used to run to the copy machine traditionally. Oh yeah. That sped up my workflow right there that I, would not have thought of when I first started drawing. Well, because the other drawing thing, digitally, like I can't remember, like a little while ago, I went into it, and you appreciate the old world way of doing it. Whenever you have, you're forced to go back into it. Like you, yeah. you didn't do your drawing digitally, and then you're like, okay, well, how do I do this again on paper? Yeah, <laughs> you have a different appreciation for the yeah. tools. Why? And I think what drove me to want to do digital is number one. I knew it was possible. I was just waiting for someone to get the technology out there. Oh yeah. And number two, even though in our industry, it's weird being tattoo artists, it's weird to go, well, how are you doing something digital than doing something with your hands as old world as tattooing is. Mm -hmm. It is funny watching the, the flip, because I feel like, especially last year, like relatively around the time the new iPad had come out, that that's when people started like, it started being accessible to the industry because I guess enough of the cooler people were starting to do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't know. It was funny when I started about four or five years ago and it was just like the word cheater. You got you got labeled a cheater if you drew digitally, which was well, funny. Well, the, the funny thing was like uh, I was doing it with Dan in New York and he would bring guys by the shop and they were just blown away. They're like, oh my God. Uh, I remember Mitsu came by the shop one day and Dan was showing him how to draw on the screen, and he just like walked out, being like, "Oh my God, this just like completely changed my world." Well, that that that's the thing is if you if you if you really are in touch and you really understand that you can only get so many drawings done in a week, traditionally. Right. So my old schedule was I I could I could start one maybe two sleeves a week mm. maybe, but really I, I would I would only schedule one sleeve a week. So if I had five sleeves on the docket, they would each get their own week because I just didn't have the drawing time. Right. And a back piece, forget about it. Back piece was 40 hours of drawing for me back then. Mm. Um, so if you're overloaded with this with this kind of workload, overloaded with a workload, if you're overloaded with a workload, um, what, what digital drawing really does for you is it minimizes the time you have to spend because you're once you learn a workflow, mm -hmm. It multiplies how much productivity you can get done. I heard one. Well, you, hold, hold on. I'm talking right now, Jonathan. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, what were you gonna say? No, it's because because you can you can minimize the. I don't want to do this because I don't want to have to redraw everything. So I'm just gonna make this work. Uh, you. Limit, the excuse bucket. Yeah, the excuse button goes out the window. 
you don't have reams of paper sitting next to you with like, okay, now I got to undo this layer of tracing paper and start over again. You can draw anywhere. So there's no more like, oh, my wife was sewing on my favorite drawing table. Right. You, you, you also limit the possibility of like, okay, I got this final drawing, but crap, the head's too small. And then you got to redo everything again. Like you can just the proportions of the entire composition become off because the head determined the flames behind it determined, you know. Plus, if you're doing a sleeve, you don't have a sleeve drawing, and you're either hand drawing your stencil or you're going to the photocopier with like a forty. Oh, the end production. Yeah, Yeah, the end production simplifies that. Drops all that down, and then plus the whole like file management thing on top of that. Like you don't have a bag full of folders, full of tracing paper, full of reference and all that. You just have one device with a cataloged file structure. You can find everything. You can streamline everything down. What I, what I was going to say is I heard a guy in an interview one time say that drawing digitally to him is like if you had a truck doing deliveries versus a horse and buggy. Mm. You can do ten more deliveries with that truck than with that horse and buggy. You that's look, that's you how much work with the horse and buggy. Yeah, I mean, you get a derby <laughs> and you get some tight skinny jeans and. <laughs> but, um, so here's here's to bring it up to date. Here's what I've learned from digital drawing. Mm. The process I have now is I have a companion, um, which is a smaller um, screen screen Cintiq. It's just something. It looks like a tablet, but it's actually runs Windows. It it's is a, a tablet. A, yeah, it's a computer tablet. Yeah. I travel with that, and then at the shop, I have a bigger uh, 24, I think these, one's 22, one's 24, um, and so what's beautiful is I can draw at home, save everything to a off-site cloud storage, like Dropbox, yeah. come to work, it's already synchronized, mm-hmm. and continue my drawing, so I don't even have to, I don't even have to bring anything to work with me if I don't want to. That's a crazy The point. second part that I think is really awesome is, after... I don't know, four or five years of doing this, I've worked so much on it that I'm pulling my own references. No longer am I like, oh, I need a skull reference. We're going to find one. Mm. I've already drawn a you know bunch of them over the years. So I just Which one type in skull, the 50s the last skulls I drew, and I kind of look at them and I can kind of compare and see what I've been doing. And Well, yeah, because it, it's easier now to have fun drawings and then be able to figure out, like, oh, I get to use that now. You know, and it, it's really easy to pull that in. And then um, at the end of the day, I just, I, I think I've stopped trying to sell people on how they need to use it. Mm. And I've realized that the people that are are going to get the most out of it are going to gravitate towards it anyway. Yeah. I had a guy, a friend of mine, Logan. What's up, Logan? He called and asked if he should get the Apple versus Cintiq. Mm. And what I've realized now is even though I don't think the Apple is up to par, Right. With the Cintiq, as far as professionalism, I think there's going to be people in the crowd that that's all they're ever going to need. Right, it's I, going to connect with a certain level of person. When I talk to Logan, Logan's a really smart guy. He understands file structure. He understands computers. I was like, you're going to you're going to outgrow that in like three months. Just go ahead and get the Cintiq. Mm. So I think you know, as far as like dipping into digital, people the people's personalities they'll find. And then of course you're going to have the guys that they didn't want to commit and they they're, they're stuck with a two hundred dollar Samsung tablet that doesn't do any of the things that we're talking about right now but but they thought i don't want to spend all that money yet well i mean it's the same thing with everything there's the right tool for the right person at that time right you know if 
if you need to start somewhere and then find out that, okay, now it's time I need to jump onto them. So the big question, Jonathan, is if digital drawing went away tomorrow, how sad would you be? I'd be really sad. It's like, uh, is this beautiful relationship I've cultivated right now? <laughs> it's like I've created my, I feel like I created my own game. Yeah. I can keep unlocking levels. Right. So if you, if you are thinking about dipping into the digital world, there are, this is just our experience of some of the fun things that we've, that we've had with it. Yeah. And um, uh, we, we push Cintiq, we push Wacom. If you want to get started with an Apple, go for it. Um, but the thing of it is, is just get started. Yeah. F figure out what, what's accessible to you. And, and then keep your mind open that what you think you're going to do is going to be something completely different. After oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're bastards of art. This is another episode. What was that? Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you for listening. I always forget to say thank you. Please. And thank you. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the webpage. Mm-hmm. And Facebook every once in a while. Yeah. www.bastardsart.com. Um, we want to thank everyone for listening. And please help us out. Leave a comment on iTunes and tell a friend. Thanks, guys.